0: Welcome to the Body and Beyond podcast with Alice and Gina, a podcast sparking discussion on all
1: things health, mindset, fitness, goals and motivation.
0: We strive to help you to boost your confidence, to take the lead in your own life, to back yourself and to step into your full potential.
1: everyone. Welcome back to the Body and Beyond podcast with Gina and Alice. I've got Gina here, and we have a very, very special guest today, Sheridan Sky, who is with us. And we are going to be talking about exercise and pregnancy. So, welcome, Sheridan. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We're excited. We haven't done a, um, a topic at all. We were just saying about pregnancy and exercise, and it is like you just said earlier a lot of women at some point are going to be going through this so it's something
0: that we definitely want to have a chat about so for sure for sure let's really excited to dive into this topic so thanks for joining us Sheridan.
1: Great so to start off I guess Sheridan we'd love to hear a little introduction of yourself your history your background and basically what how you came to work more in the field of pre and postnatal programming obviously that's not the only thing that you do Um, you are Health and fitness coach as well, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. Just tell us a little more about you and what landed you here.
2: Yeah, so um, bit long story. The condensed version really is that I myself am a registered nurse, a coach, as Ella said, and 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 a nutritionist. And I have always loved training and always really focused on hypertrophy, strength training, and always had aesthetic goals. I think that it's okay to have aesthetic goals and I've always really taken pride in, you know, gaining muscle and pushing myself in that sort of realm. And then I um, fell pregnant with my first. So I am a mum of two. I have a daughter named Ellie who's two and a half and a daughter named Evie who's now nine months. So two under two, God help me. It's, <laughs> it's been wild. Um, but really what led me here is that when I fell pregnant I was very lost and I you know trained a certain way for like I said hypertrophy strength and I was looking for information as to how I could continue doing that safely for me and my you know now daughter Ellie and I had a lot of trouble finding information that really sort of fit in with how I wanted to train and what I was sort of looking for in training. So a lot of the information was really about, you know, Pilates, taking it slow. And there is absolutely a space for that. And if that's how you enjoy moving your body and that's how you want to move your body, you go for it, girlfriend. But for me, I felt almost like it was being taken away from me and I wanted to find a way to continue doing what I was doing, but just adapting it to make sure it was safe for my pregnancy. So my background is a registered nurse. I'm I'm very, uh, I value evidence-based practice quite substantially. So I looked for the answers myself and everywhere I went, I couldn't find it. So I kept digging, kept digging. And then two babies later, few years later, I've kind of just come to this place where I guide and help women in their pre and postnatal periods.
1: Yeah. And I do recall at one point you sort of saying you kind of just ended up falling into this place, Mm -hmm. right? You never kind of set out to be specifically pre and postnatal focused, but that's sort of just, you landed there, I assume, because more women were searching for that guidance and support, right? And so here we are. Yeah,
2: absolutely. For sure. So I hope that this podcast can provide women with a bit of encouragement, uh, that they can adapt their training to what they were doing before. They don't have to give up resistance training. They can still, you know, aim to gain strength if that's possible, maintain muscle mass and that they don't have to, you know, put aside their lifting shoes just for the sake of pregnancy.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I definitely resonate with this. This is how I'm, I don't have any babies yet, but definitely the way or the approach I'd love to take as well in the future. So Mm. exciting. So let's kick it off with um, looking at your like recommendations or tips for the first trimester of pregnancy. Mm. It's a good question, Gina, because a
2: lot of people sort of, when they think of training throughout pregnancy, they kind of the first question is, what can I and can't I do? Mm. And it's it's a broad question, right? So what I like to say instead of what can I and can't I do is it's not what you do, it's how you do it.
0: Mm.
2: And a lot of people will ask, you know, what can I do in my first trimester? What can I do in my second? What can I do in my third? And it's that really annoying answer that it mm. depends, right? <laughs>
0: You guys hate giving that answer, yeah. So individual as well, hey, to the individual circumstances.
2: Yeah, for sure. So instead of sort of trying to explain very specifically what you should and shouldn't do within the trimesters or within pregnancy, I like people to understand what the principles of safe and effective pre and postnatal training is. I'm just going to touch on the prenatal aspect now because that could be a, a totally other podcast in. You know, the postnatal space. But when we think about the principle of safe and effective prenatal training, it's making sure that we're protecting our pelvic floor, um, making sure that we're breathing appropriately, and making sure that we're aligning our posture appropriately. And if we can think about any exercise that we are doing, if we can think of those three principles, and are you applying the principles of of safe and effective prenatal training within that movement, then you're a OK. And if I've lost anyone, let me give you an example of what that that means. You know, so someone might say, um, "Is it is it safe to do a lat pull down during pregnancy?" And lat pull downs are one of the exercises I eventually start to remove from uh women's programs or I regress it or replace it with something else because the natural sort of um, line of pull with a lat pull down means that people often lose their posture right And even when we're training outside of pregnancy, we sort of do really um, exaggerate that thoracic spine curve because we're trying to train certain muscles right. But in pregnancy, if we are training out of alignment with our posture, that places downward pressure on our pelvic floor, right? So Gina, I might get you to do a lat pull down and you might do it with perfect posture and continue doing that with perfect posture. But then Alice, I might get you to do it and you're just not able to, one, manage your posture, manage the pressure within your um, abdomen and therefore you're not protecting your pelvic floor. Have I lost you guys? Are you following?
1: Definitely following, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, cool. So. There are some things, and if I can just categorize them into first, second, third trimesters, some generalizations that I'll give you guys. First trimester, not much has to change because your baby is literally a few tiny little cells. It's not placing any, if you know, um, not a lot of downward pressure on your pelvic floor. So, what I like to say with the first trimester is it's a practice run, right? The biggest thing in pregnancy is changing your breathing mechanics. Um, And I, you know, Alice, you used to work at base body studio. And a lot of the time you guys will say, I used to hear you guys say, no breath holding, no breath holding. And that is because that places a lot of downward pressure on your pelvic floor. So the breathing strategy that you need to implement in pregnancy is what's called a 360 degree breath and a connection breath. I won't go into too much detail here. Otherwise the podcast will be five hours long, <laughs> but the first trimester is just about how can I master the art of changing from breath holding because if you've come from a background where you are training for muscle growth. You probably hold your breath, right? That's how we can kind of maximize the lifts as much as we possibly can. So outside of the first trimester, second trimester, baby's starting to grow more downward pressure on the pelvic floor and your um, six-pack muscles, so the rectus abdominis, will start to – potentially separate in your second trimester and a lot of people ask how do I avoid abdominal separation and the answer is you can't 100% of women in their third trimester will have some degree of abdominal separation but when it starts will depend if it's your first pregnancy it might be a little bit later if it's subsequent pregnancies that's going to happen sooner right so in your second trimester you want to be mindful of your breathing but also, what, how are you managing the pressure within your abdomen? Because the breathing changes that you need to make in, in your prenatal um, space is that what you're trying to accomplish is pressure management. And you'll notice if you're not managing your pressure, if you get something called doming in your abdomen, Google it, Google doming of your abdomen, <laughs> It's wild and people freak out when they see it. But that's not something that you need to freak out about. It's just feedback. You're not managing the pressure within your abdomen well and you need to go back to your breathing and try and figure out whether you can fix something there. But if you start noticing that doming in those exercises, you need to regress it. Mm -hmm. Then in your third trimester, you want to look at potentially minimizing exercises that are front-loaded movements like a plank for example. And I guess you can imagine why you would try and minimize that. And also laying on your back. Again, this varies from woman to woman. Some people can tolerate it, some people can't, but there's not really a solid outside of hypertrophy training, because I'm not, I'm not talking about high impact. I'm not talking about you know riding horses or motorbikes or things like that within hypertrophy training there's not too much that has to change it's not what you do it's how you do it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that makes sense yeah
2: Mm. i hope so
1: (laughs) (laughs) so tell us a little more then about let's take um example we see a lot of tips around unilateral training um training you know probably in things that are more stable Mm -hmm. um wide stance versus narrow stance, what are your take on those particular topics when it comes to third trimester, I guess, specifically, I would say, yeah.
2: Yeah, and great question. Um, because for a lot of women what's common is pelvic pain and that's just the natural progression that your hormones are changing the ligaments become a little bit more lax for lack of a better word and that's really just to prepare your body for birth right but it can make some positions uncomfortable and this is where I'd like to encourage women to have faith in listening to their bodies right so what feels good for you what doesn't feel good for you but unilateral movements and wide stance movements are two common movement patterns that can feel uncomfortable for women for most for the most part that's more toward your third trimester because your baby is getting bigger more downward pressure on that pelvic floor hormones are changing, getting ready for birth. So you lose stability in some of your joints, right? So unilateral movements, like a a moving lunge can be really uncomfortable. And also let's take a sumo deadlift, for example, but not all women will experience that, right? So it's about being like, how does this feel within my body? And not only whilst I'm doing it, but after my training session, am I sore? And not a dom sore, but you, you, you'll you know. You'll know if you've pushed just beyond your, I guess, tolerance uh, because you'll be sore. And if you are, then you need to look at, okay, if I'm doing a unilateral movement that requires movement or motion or, ex, you know, explosive sort of movement, say a walking lunge, can I first change that for maybe a split squat? And then maybe a stationary lunge. And then if that's still not comfortable because there's a condition called SPD and I had it in both my pregnancies. And for me, with my first pregnancy in the third trimester, those movements became really quite uncomfortable. But in my second pregnancy, it came sooner. It came in at around 18 weeks, which is why I don't like saying in your third trimester, you need to do X. It's does it feel okay for you? And if it doesn't, how do you regress it? Yeah. What was that acronym? What did it stand for? SPD. So symphysis pubic dysfunction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's just a, it's every woman will, every woman's not the right word. Most women will have some degree of pelvic pain or Mm -hmm. discomfort in their pregnancies, especially in the later stages of pregnancy but SPD really it prevents you from walking for some women it's it's really uncomfortable just having that unilateral sort of position and then that wide stance position against just placing more pressure downward so it can create pain for some women
1: yeah how about from a coaching and programming point of view when it comes to choosing exercises that are actually going to support your body through that change through pregnancy is there anything that you can recommend um, that women may like to focus more on whether that be you know uh glute focus on glute engagement and glute um strength uh anything like that
2: yeah yeah for sure so one thing that you've uh, outlined there Alice, is glutes so if you think about how your body changes throughout pregnancy you've got your baby growing at the front of you and eventually that's going to shift your center of gravity right so you're sort of going to become a little bit more you know that that anterior pelvic tilt so if you can envision sort of that swayed lower back you tend to puff your chest out more you tend to stick your lower back out more and that's again putting you out of that neutral alignment that posture so it's as much as we want to try and have our ribs stacked over our pelvis at all times throughout pregnancy at some point it's probably just not going to happen right so when you are constantly in that sort of um lordotic curve or you've got that anterior pelvic tilt you do tend to see your glutes weaken your hamstrings weaken your posterior chain is going to weaken right because everything's just sort of oh I don't really need that anymore so training glutes and hamstrings is particularly really important in your pregnancy and upper back as well Uh, you know your breasts will become fuller uh, they'll become even fuller when your milk comes in after you give birth to your baby, but the hormones are changing your breasts as well. So that posture really does become out of alignment. So training glutes and hamstrings is important, but if you can imagine, you know, um, if you guys think about how you train your hamstrings, give me some exercises that you would usually use to train, train your hamstrings.
1: I'm just trying to picture a pregnant person on a lying hamstring curl. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Not gonna happen. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So it becomes harder to
2: train your hamstrings and your glutes. Let's say someone's one pregnant. So their belly is growing and they have SPD. So unilateral movements are starting to become uncomfortable for them. They're going to be limited in what they can and can't do. So it's about getting a little bit more creative. What I like to recommend for women who are training at a gym is, can you go to a gym that has a seated leg curl? Because if you can, Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. sign you up. Otherwise, can we look at doing stiff legged deadlifts? Can we look at training the hamstrings more isometrically, like in a in a glute bridge, for example, biasing those hamstrings a little bit more? Uh, can we do single leg work if your glutes are an issue? Can we do more bilateral movement? So whether that's like a box squat, whether that's squats, whether that's you know hip thrusts, back extensions, all these types of things. But yes, definitely glutes and hamstrings. And the second thing that I'd say is your core. So really big common misconception with pregnancy is that you can't train your core. And I think it's about reframing how people perceive what the core is. So some people were like, oh, my abs, right? My six pack abs. That's technically not what the core is, right? Your six pack abs, spinal flexion and extension. And then you've got your deep core stabilizers like your transverse abdominus, for example. And we do want to train the core throughout pregnancy, but we don't want to be doing things like crunches where we're training those six pack abs. So things like um, anti-flexion movements, anti-rotation movements. So if I can give you some examples, like Palof presses are really good ones. Um, modified planks might be appropriate for some women. Again, going back to the principles of safe uh, prenatal training, making sure that you're managing your pressure, you're breathing throughout, never holding your breath. Um, and I really like contralateral, contralateral movements, like let's say an overhead lunge, or you might do a one-arm overhead press, for example. Yeah, great. Mm. Um, but I, I will add hip thrusts, barbell hip thrusts, because it's it's the most common question I get. Can I do a barbell hip thrust in pregnancy?
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's when we're looking at movements that are safe during pregnancy, we need to consider what is the potential risk of this exercise and what is the potential reward of this exercise. And when it comes to barbell hip thrust where you're obviously loading your pelvis with a barbell, for me and the way that I coach, that's problematic. Do I have a research paper that says you can absolutely not barbell hip thrusts in pregnancy? No, I don't because, If we think about, you know, how we research things, nobody's going to sign up to a study that says, "Hey, we want to test if the barbell hip thrust is safe." We can't guarantee the safety of your baby, but hey, are you ready to sign up? Like, would you guys sign up? Yeah. No. No. (laughs) No. So it's it's about again risk versus reward. So if you can train the so a barbell hip thrust is training your glutes through a shortened range, right? What if you can do that in other exercises like a back extension, like a single leg hip extension, uh, hip thrust, or even things like you can replace it with a dumbbell if you are having trouble with unilateral movements, but use intensity techniques like pauses, one-and-one quarter reps, things like that where you're, again, is the risk of this exercise worth the reward and if
1: it's not can I replace it with something else yep
0: makes complete sense
1: how about Um, sorry um I wanted to jump in and just ask your opinion as well on I find um heart rate monitoring is a big one and has been something that people have always asked me in my years as a personal trainer when I was personal training Mm -hmm. um being worried to go over a certain heart rate you know. Um, so, what's your opinion on
2: that? Yeah. So, it's a, a that's a good question because the medical recommendations. I think it would have been back maybe even in the nineties. So, it wasn't that long ago? Where, you know, when we think about women and how women are researched in general, there is a very there is a lack of research specifically on women because researchers sort of say like, yeah, you know their hormones are kind of all over the place. They're not really like steady, like a a male's would be, you know, they're kind of the same throughout the month and a woman is all over the shop. So there's too many variables. Let's just not include women in those studies. So the old school way of thinking with pregnancy was don't train at all. It's not good for you. It will be harmful for the baby. And then it was, you know, training is good for you. It improves your recovery. It improves, you know, birth sort of um, your birthing experience, et cetera, et cetera. But, I think it was back in the nineties, the sort of medical field did say, you do need to monitor your heart rate and keep it below a certain amount. And that was the medical recommendations, but that was researched. I think it was in the early two thousands where that recommendation was completely annihilated. It was removed and there was no evidence to show that that needed to be the case. So to answer your question directly, No, you don't need to monitor your heart rate, but be sensible about exerting yourself. So on the Borg scale, if you want to look up the Borg scale, you can sit at around an eight, seven or eight. And that really just means you're able to carry on a conversation because the one thing that you do want to avoid is overheating in your pregnancy and during your training.
1: Yeah,
0: that's great advice. Um, it was a great post you put up on your Instagram, just talking about changes in, um, basically changes in your body from being a coach pre-pregnancy through to, um, going through pregnancy and just basically looking at your, your, um, your identity as a coach and how you were feeling about yourself and that kind of thing. I'd love you to elaborate on that for the listeners. I thought it was really powerful.
2: Mm, yeah. So. I put up a post a while ago and it was really just showing my body before birth and after birth. And I think that there's, and, and I, I completely appreciate where it comes from, but there's this expectation from some people that in order to be a good coach, you need to look a certain way. And when you've just given birth to a, a, a person and you've carried them for nine months, your body is going to look different. And I think women, especially in their postnatal space, are really vulnerable to want to change things really quickly before they're ready, before their body's ready, you know, their mind is ready, but their body's not ready. And for me as a coach, I especially felt that pull to bounce back in quotation marks because, People do take you more seriously when you look a certain way, right? But I put up the post, and it's kind of like you know, if you looked at me prior to pregnancies, I was in the best shape of my life. Naturally, I had two pregnancies within a, a short period of time, but my knowledge in my in my postnatal. T- period after I had babies after I'd accumulated two to three years worth of knowledge was far greater than when I looked a certain way but people gravitate toward a person who looks a certain way rather than what that person can provide them in terms of a a knowledge or um, a value sort of point of view so it was really just to say that as a coach and as a woman I felt the need to bounce back and I know that so many other women do and they'll flog themselves in the gym, they'll do things that they perhaps shouldn't be doing in their postnatal period or even in pregnancy. Like a, a common question I get in pregnancy is, can I diet? And some people might say like, what a stupid question, but it really just highlights how afraid we are as women to see our body change. And what I would just say to that is if you're a type A perfectionist sort of personality, and I think that a lot of women can Uh, resonate with this. You want certainty, right? And when you become pregnant, you don't know how your body's going to change. Am I going to get stretch marks? Am I going to get cellulite? How will it look after I fall, you know, deliver my baby? It's not so much that you're, you're trying to figure out something because you lack certainty and control and welcome to parenthood. It's the first sort of test to say I have to be okay with uncertainty and not having control over everything and I think that's just again coming back to self-awareness what does this mean for me how is it showing up for me and how can I be kinder to myself in a a season of my life where I need so much nurturing Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's almost welcome to life isn't it the uncertainty um yeah. yeah that's so true like um and it more so I think it's a reflection on the individual if they're judging or choosing their coach based on aesthetics only really mm. and and where they're at and that's okay as well it might be just where they're at but really like you said um you know you can't see the years the training age the experience the humans you've worked with you can't see that by looking at someone yeah so it's really powerful and I th- yeah.
2: think you guys might even you know if you guys are in a building phase like Alice I know that you've competed a few times like when you're in a building phase you know people do really gravitate toward you probably more so when you're in your most shredded phase right
1: yes (laughs) yeah and I can see I can yeah I can absolutely relate to that in a sense that you know I know what I'm doing is good for me but then when you look at it from a business point of view it's like oh people don't quite get it or understand it and so yeah I could probably see how that would relate in in terms to pregnancy as well and the changes that you're going through with the body and yeah yeah
2: I think particularly for coaches as well like I don't know what the demographic of your listeners is like whether you get a lot of coaches or a lot of coaches on your Instagram and everything but when you are you know, you've built your brand off of an aesthetic look, people gravitate toward you because you look a certain way and that's okay. Like that's, that's a okay to draw inspiration from other people. But I think coaches particularly become really vulnerable to this because Their identity is changing and their audience will start to change. It's kind of like a rinse and repeat, right? Some people will come to my page when they're pregnant and it aligns with them. But two, three years down the track, they're not thinking about that anymore, right? So women who are, you know, coaches and they're pregnant, their body is changing and they can't change that. And it's kind of like, how do I show up for my business when I've built it off of this and now I'm this? And that can be a really, really tough transition for women. So it's, I don't have the perfect answer for it other than to say grace, lots and lots
1: of grace, lots of self compassion. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful message. So I guess to sort of end or come to the end of the podcast, obviously. You being a mum yourself, you have gone through this journey that you've gone through. Um, I guess we just want to know any more general advice, um, tips for women who might be listening, who are looking to fall pregnant, who may be pregnant, who may be in their post-pregnancy journey, Um, really when it comes to anything to do with pregnancy, uh, health, fitness, any of your kind of top messages, I guess, that you'd like to pass
2: on i
1: think given that it's a podcast
2: on prenatal training i would say that it's common to ask you know what is safe to do during pregnancy and often women are asking more so about what is safe for my baby not really what is safe for me right because motherhood we're always thinking of our children before we think of us but I want to just give you some encouragement that outside of having a pregnancy where there may be complications, where you may be high risk, I'm not speaking to a high risk pregnancy here. I'm speaking to a low risk pregnancy. There's there's no contraindications for exercise because there are some very real reasons why someone may not be able to exercise in pregnancy. But outside of that, Training is so beneficial for you, for your baby, for your birth and your recovery. And just have faith that you have the intuition to know what is right and wrong for your body, right, Um, and that you don't need to be afraid of training throughout your pregnancy. A lot of women will sort of go to one or two sides. They don't change anything about their training. And I don't suggest that because saying do what you've always done, you don't need to change anything, in my opinion, isn't the right advice. There are things that need to be changed. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. But then there are women on the opposite side of the spectrum who won't do anything because they're just so afraid of what might happen. And I want to speak to those women and just encourage them that if you're sensible, if you you know listen to your doctors, if you have someone that you trust in terms of, you know, a coach, someone that you can go to for advice, then go to them. But just know that your body is capable of doing this. We've been doing it for thousands of thousands and thousands of years. And that just let go of any shoulds, expectations, Let go of the uncertainty. Know that there'll be a chance for you to have aesthetic goals later. There'll be a chance for you to have strength goals later. Don't worry about losing muscle. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. I promise you it'll come back in your postnatal period. And just give yourself permission to rest and to slow down. And I know that that's not easily done, but you need to constantly be working on that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a beautiful message to wrap up the podcast today. Thanks, Sheridan. I agree fully. Well, thank you for having me. No worries.
1: we have enjoyed having you on.
0: Yeah, it's been great.
1: Great. Well, we hope you absolutely love this episode, guys. And if you have any questions at all, you can find Sheridan. Sheridan, where can they find you? they've
2: got questions about this um so I'm mostly over at uh, on Instagram so mostly active there so Sheridan Sky Fit um Sheridan like the sheets S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N um and obviously have my pre and postnatal programs as well so all information can be found on Instagram and um yeah that
1: that's basically me Yeah, great. So we will pop those in the show notes for you guys as well. Um, But we hope you absolutely love today's podcast. And as we always say, please take a screenshot, share it with your friends who can grow our body and beyond community. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.
0: Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Body and Beyond podcast is for information purposes
1: only. This podcast does not constitute advice or services and the statements and views of the hosts and guests are not medical advice. The information provided should not be used for treatment or diagnosis purposes. Please discuss any information from this podcast with your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle.